Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, hello, hello. This is uh, John Hillcock with Away From Home number three, speaking slightly under my breath because I'm just walking up the road uh, to actually go and vote because it is um, local election day. Uh, There's a lot of people about, so that's why I'm slightly aware of um, talking into a microphone in my hand. Uh, Anyway, also the other thing I realise is that when I try and record and walk at the same time, I sound incredibly out of breath and uh, I sort of forget to breathe. So, I'm going to stand still. That's better. Uh, Yeah, so welcome to Away From Home number three. It's John Hillcock here with uh, another attempt to uh, get you to explore unfamiliar territory uh, by, well, by me exploring unfamiliar territory, really. Uh, This podcast is presented in association with Calm, the campaign against living miserably. Uh, I do hope you've had a good couple of weeks, that you've been uh, keeping well, fine, warm. I genuinely hope those things. Now, I'm not going to prang on much this week on the podcast for two reasons. One is that I'm actually uh, going out tonight uh, in about three hours, less than three hours, actually. Uh, So I've got to record this, edit it, stick it on the podcast, and then lump the lot out. Oh, there is that. That's a lot of noise. Hmm. And then I've got to put the whole lot out on the podcast tonight before I go out, uh, because I don't have time tomorrow. And uh, I've got to have a wash as well, um, which, you know, it's only right that I should do that before I go out. Um, So anyway, I've also got to vote in the local elections just up the road. I'm actually on my way to do that right now. Uh, I've got my polling card in my hand as I speak to you. I don't actually need it. Apparently you don't need to take them with you, but I like to take mine with me anyway. I'm one of those sorts of people. Uh, I am going to tell you who I'm voting for in the local elections at the end of the podcast. Now, talk about a band called the Goonsacks a lot. They're from Brisbane. Louis Forster is in the band. He's the son of Robert Forster of the Go-Between. So I actually talked about them, I think, in the uh, 
first Away From Home podcast when I spoke to uh, Tom Ravenscroft. Uh, that was around the release of their first album, Up To Anything, which I loved. It was my favourite record of 2016, I think. And, uh, and yeah, I played a song from that on that podcast. Uh, it's a brilliant record. They've just announced this week that there's to be a follow-up coming out in September of this year. The album's coming out on uh, Chapter Records in Australia and New Zealand, just like the first, but also uh, Wichita Records will be releasing the record uh, around the rest of the world. It's called We're Not Talking. It's out on September the 14th, and there's a song which you can get already uh, when you pre-order the record now. Um, I will play that after I've reminded you, of course, that all the music on this podcast can be heard in full on the Mixcloud version. If you've downloaded this via iTunes or Raycast, uh, then the music will be cut down due to rights reasons. Uh, anyway, this is a song from that new Goonsax record. She Knows is the name of the song, and what a song it is. I'll tell you all about the guest on this week's podcast after this. <laughs> admired people who have absolute conviction in what they do uh, they don't seem to question it or apologize for it or make any excuses for it they just are uh, to me nick luscombe is one of those people the music he shares and celebrates the projects he works on the radio shows and podcasts that he's made uh, he's someone i first became aware of when i began doing work experience at xfm back in the early 2000s uh, his sunday night show was um, uh, I remember it being sort of faintly dreamlike. It was called Flow Motion, and Nick played uh, this brilliant, subtle electronic music. My own background has always been, as I say to Nick in the interview, all my own background had always been more kind of guitar-led, more traditional band-based music, really. And so hearing the intricacies of the music that Nick played, this machine music that Nick was playing, was a bit of a revelation to me, and, uh, and it had a huge impact on me as well. Uh, since that time on uh, on XFM, Nick's been a really big inspiration for me, mainly because he resolutely sticks to his guns, whatever he's doing, working on loads of different experimental radio shows, programs, podcasts. Uh, he's been a presenter on BBC Radio 3's Late Junction uh, for a number of years now, uh, one of the uh, revolving roster of presenters on there. He's an expert in Japanese music culture. He keeps uh, Flow Motion on air on FM radio. He's kept it on air since 2000, uh, wherever it's been, on XFM or Enemy Radio or Resonance as well, where it lives, or just on Mixcloud too. Then there's also uh, Musicity, which is this amazing project that seeks to encourage people to explore cities musically and architecturally and commissions musicians to compose original songs in response to a building, a site or a piece of city that they find inspiring um, I find it uh, quite a relief and reassuring to know that whatever's going on in radio or on streaming services I can always uh, rest assured that Nick Luscombe will be playing cutting edge interesting, different, crucial music somewhere else um, and so it's a really amazing opportunity to go and meet him and talk about his work and uh, the things he's done, his origins and, and uh, what he hopes to achieve on the radio. Um, and I'm also aware that trying to uh, introduce Nick to music is a bit like uh, trying to teach Zico how to take a free kick. 
Uh, but still, I did go and I had a go. Uh, this is a song which I actually heard properly around the same time that I went to speak to Nick. Um, I think it was the same time as that Tom Ravenscroft interview, the, yeah, towards the end of 2016. And uh, this is something that I sort of first heard around that time for the first time properly. And uh, it does echo how I was feeling at the time about London, which is something we talk about in the interview, but how I felt run down and beaten up by London. And this song really echoed that. I actually did a show on Six Music at the time. I would uh, depth for Huey and did a whole show about uh, cities and, and how it feels when the city sort of gets you down. Uh, but this is um, something from uh, Nina Simone. It's Baltimore, and uh, we'll talk a bit about this song in our conversation as well. Nick Luscombe and I in conversation on the Away From Home podcast, number three after this from Nina Simone. It's Baltimore. Feed up little seagulls On a marble stand Normally. Yeah, this is really good. So hopefully, I mean, I've only recorded a couple. One was good. The second one wasn't so good. You know, you kind of sometimes, even with all this experience, mm. you think, oh yeah, I'm going to really get on with this person. And yeah, we're yeah. Gonna really connect yeah. over music, and we're going to have a great time. And then you, they just—it's completely run of the mill. One of the twenty interviews they've done that day. Oh um, yeah, yeah. And they just sort of don't give you anything. What a shame. Yeah, and it starts fine, but the more you realise you're kind of not getting anywhere, yeah. the more your brain sort of starts to the thoughts start to evaporate, <laughs> and you're treading water, and you're thinking, yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. You, and you think all the things that I want to ask this person, and now I'm just, uh. oh no. So you live <clears throat> right here. In yeah. the, I didn't have any idea where you live, and one of the ideas of this podcast is to force myself to meet people and listen to records with them. Cool. So that's what I'm doing. It's good. So it's, it's, thank you for having me in. Is this where you keep all of your records? Have you got things in storage? I mean, no, I keep Nick, everything I'm here. sure you've got, so, so everything's here? Yeah, everything's here. There's, there's a couple of other bedrooms. There's a load of records stuffed, okay. stuffed in there as well, in shelves, but. Um, so far, I mean, I've only spoken to a couple of people so far yeah. about their record collections, but it, Ikea do seem to be leading the way <laughs> in terms of record storage. The, uh, yeah. the Expedit unit, I've got the same. It's a classic, isn't it? It is. It's pretty solid. Uh, it comes in three different shades, doesn't it? Well, this is it. Bright it's red good. I went for, which I, I don't oh, know. Did you? That's still pretty impressive. That. You're on top of where everything is. <laughs> if someone said to you, hey, can you play me that? that, no. that you don't know. Not at all. No, and it's the kind of like, it's sort of like how I do everything, really. <laughs> yeah. In a really kind of disorganised fashion, which isn't, yeah. isn't good. You know, um, but Do you find you have to rebuy things on iTunes all the time? Yeah, there was an example of that. I really, really wanted to find, I don't know why, I wanted to hear Love Hangover, the 12-inch, the full version. Okay. I really wanted to hear it, and I was searching for it for about an hour. You know you've got it somewhere. I've got it somewhere. Yeah. And it was like, oh, just go to iTunes. <laughs> there it it's is. kind of sad, though, isn't it? It's not ideal. Yeah. 
So what do, what do you want to play first? Well, um, okay, so I thought, I did kind of think about this a little bit, but then I just thought I'll probably end up changing my mind, but <laughs> there's a lot of things to choose from. But I thought the first thing is just something that I just kind of yeah totally been obsessed with since I got it. So the Nuggets box set, yeah, which I know you'll know, yeah, um, which originally came out, when was it, in the 1970s, something like that, but it's the very first yeah. time it came out. The Lenny K. That's it, yeah. yeah. And then it came out again in the late 90s, which is, I think, when I must have picked it up. And yeah, I was in, I was in London at the time, and I, I was in a band, played bass guitar. What were you called? Uh, you would ne- it, it, was, it was a band you would never have heard of. We had all these different names because we didn't have to worry about it. We weren't signed. Yeah. We played little venues in Camden. Yeah. But like I that. feel like you're avoiding the question there. Yeah. What, what were you called? <laughs> we were probably called Golden Gate for a while. Okay. And we were called a, all kinds of different names. I'm from Plymouth. We, we started in Plymouth. We moved okay. to London. Yeah. Jeff Barrett, who, you know, from mm, Heavenly yeah, Records heavily, yeah. and Caught by the River and everything. Uh, I met him in Plymouth when he had a little record shop down there and used to spend all my money in there, pocket money to start with then when I started working. And... Um, he moved to London in around about, what year was it, 86, 87, mm. something like that. And then I moved to London at the same time in, in, with everyone in the band. We thought, well, you know, we've outgrown Plymouth. Let's go to London, it's make our fortune. City. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Couldn't decide whether to go to Manchester or London at the time. It's like a real toss-up between the two because there's so much going on in Manchester. I was going to say, at the end of the 80s. Yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. It's like, you know, Hassey and the Factory Records, you know, New Order, everything was just, yeah. you know, there's so much going on there. And then the new stuff, like Happy Mondays and that. And then... Anyway, I ended up in London because that was the, everyone else moved to London. I thought, Jeff's going there, let's just do it. And then over the years, ended up like a few years later living in Jeff's flat when Jeff moved out and we stayed there. We had the band basically in the flat with the drums up in the front room and this, you know, a lot of Jeff's records were still there. Yeah. And so, you know, it was an incredible time to discover new music and yeah. we were sharing it. And one of the kind of things that we all realised that we all loved so much was were kind of soul records and then you know kind of garage original garage music you know from the 60s and this nuggets compilation when i got it was just everything i wanted really in terms of you can't there's hardly a bad track on it right it's no just the yeah, whole absolutely thing. yeah it's incredible so what do you pick from something like that i mean because well, this is quite interesting that you've picked this because uh, as you know when i first met you uh would have been early noughties or something yeah it's when yeah. i was uh working as work experience on john kennedy's show on on exposure on xfm and yeah. i came in i used to look and i used to listen to your show all the time and from not to get sidetracked slightly but but your music really the kind of thing you were playing was not something i was used to the electronic music you were playing and mm. you know more experimental things when that could happen on xfm on a sunday night and and hearing flow motion for the first time was really important to me because it showed me I was always kind of a guitar based drums kind of right. you know guitar yeah, music yeah, yeah. fan sure and came from a sort of I was into metal and, and mm. all like I say loads of guitar stuff so hearing the music you played was this whole new world and, and on a Sunday night it was such a perfect fit and it, right. it really it really got me into a lot of electronic music that I would never have heard otherwise which is so you know that it's hugely important for me but it was while I was working on John's show at the end of each year when he would give thanks to his you know, work experience people for coming in and giving up their time to work on his show. Um, and he gave me the Nuggets box set as oh, a gift no for Christmas at the end of one year working. And I'd never heard any of this, really. I mean, I'd heard the odd song, but I didn't yeah. really know wow. yeah. how important it was as a collection of music and, and how it sort of marked this moment in time. Yeah. 
And so John Bermuda, <laughs> so it's got a real sort of personal link for me as well with John having given yeah. me that as a gift. And it's yeah, sort of, you know, yeah. every year he would give me this sort of groundbreaking piece of music that was like so influential. And it was obviously working with John anyway, it was an education. So it was, sure, it was yeah. so good. Oh, that's so, amazing. So I'm glad, you, I'm really glad you picked it. So what would you play? I mean, well, you know, I've got my favourites, but what, have you, what, what if it's the same one? So The Remains, Don't Look Back, which oh, is, okay. I absolutely, everything about this record, it's just the most perfect kind of, what is it, three minutes of, yeah, yeah, yeah. of music. I just find it incredible every yeah. time I listen to it. And at the time when I first heard it, that's the band I wanted to be like so much, you know, that kind of, everything about the sound, just the energy, the way the, the breakdown happens, it's soulful, it's, bit like the Rolling Stones in places obviously yeah yeah I'm, so, I'm sure the singer was obsessed with Mick Jagger but um yeah do you want to put it on now Let's put, put it on, it on now yeah, yeah, yeah definitely so we're going to put it on a on CDJ it's not a CDJ but a sort it's of a, CD yeah, mixer this is a CD yes yeah, a CDJ 100 I think so do you listen to everything through here is this uh, how you if you put yeah. CDs on is this what you'll do well pretty much yeah Bit I love most of all is when suddenly it, where is it? It's the way it kicks in there. That it's just so, that <laughs> so good, right? It's interesting you say that about that that sort of key change, that one moment, because it's um, yeah. Uh, psychotic reaction is the one for me you know oh, where, yeah, where that yeah, sure. where it changes yeah. on yeah. that chorus i mean i don't know i've wanted to play that when i'm djing out so much but yeah. it kind of almost puzzles people they don't know what to do <laughs> yeah um, that's a, with yeah, that but yeah that's probably well. my i would say that's my favorite on there yeah, but yeah amazing. no that's that's amazing. how does it like to listen to that now how does it make you feel does it make you feel kind of same nostalgic you know, no and... it's funny it's not it's not a nostalgia thing it's just a kind of oh man there's the energy from it and just um you know some records you kind of hear them a lot but they always feel like you've, you're hearing them for the first time. Kind of yeah, thing. I do, yeah. And there's, there's another record like by, I think it's Can't Hide Love by Creative Source. Every okay. time I hear that record, it's like, a, oh, the, you know, I remember, it's not nostalgic, I just go straight back to the time that I heard it for the first time. Yeah. You know, it doesn't take me back to the place, it just takes me back to the feeling of the first time I heard it. <laughs> Kind of rare. That doesn't happen that often with that many records, surely. No, I mean, it's quite a hard thing to. I find to I, get. I even find that with. I mean, the most the record I've heard so many, so many times, like we all have, that does that to me is Blue Monday by New Order. Yeah. Every time I hear that, I feel like it's the first time somehow. Yeah. And I kind of know every single. Microsecond <laughs> of that record, you know. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I think I think it is quite a, an incredible thing, mm -hmm. isn't it? And the whole the whole thing, you know. So if it is nostalgia, that's quite interesting. That music can trigger memory in that way and take yeah. you back to a place if it does that. Yeah. Or has the ability to make you feel like you're just going through something new. Yeah. How does it feel to treat me like 
what I found it. recently, and it's happened with two films, in particular with watching the um, the Nirvana film, oh, which right. came out last year, a montage of Heck, and it completely. It, it was a very weird thing to be so obsessed with a band in, when you're 14, mm. and they be you know Nirvana were my life. Like, they're absolute. I learned all of their songs on the guitar. They were they were my obsession before I got to Metallica. But that was really my thing. And then yeah. I spent you know spent all that time knowing all their music inside out. Went away, lived my life for 20 years. Went through education, work, tried to do radio, all of the things. Got married, broke up. All of these things that had children. All these things. And then this film comes out, and these songs that you know are all in your subconscious. And yeah. This, and, okay. and, the, and the film mm. and Kurt Cobain's life, which when you were 14, you couldn't really get any. Yeah. Not that I'm, yeah. you know, I can really appreciate what you went through now anyway. But yeah. with all this benefit of 20 years of life, you look back, you go and watch this film. And I mean, obviously, I was broken, like watching this whole film. Sure. Yeah. And it, it's this really weird thing where songs that you knew once you come back to with a whole different perspective and that keeps happening to me now you know being in my 30s I really sort of get this real sense of oh that's what they were getting I mean it happens with films all the time as well but you just it's a really strange thing getting a second perspective having having lived over the decades oh yeah for sure I mean obviously example I think for me is like something like Steely Dan where you listen to that when you're a bit younger and you go yeah this is kind of egghead music isn't it this is a bunch of real (laughs) show off you know and I don't really like this and then you get older and you go God, the music's actually really good. This is really sophisticated. And then you listen to the lyrics and you go, okay, yeah, that's this is interesting. Amazing. These guys yeah. have kind yeah. of lived their, you know, quite interesting lives. And as you get older, you think, oh my God, this is really familiar. These are now. life lessons. This is but you've got these stare. years of, yeah. of listening to it and, and appreciating yeah. it from all these different angles. That's, that's right. You know, that, that's, 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 that's incredible. The music can do yeah, that. It is. know really what music and radio you were into when you were younger so when you were first aware of the radio and mm. when you first thought oh you know this is something that I'm really a, a, that I find really appealing and that I'd like to get into well I think yeah I remember really when I was very young listening to um, I had this little radio with a an earpiece <laughs> it's really old-fashioned but like an it was an FM and AM radio like a little field radio looking thing like a yeah. kind of action man style radio yeah. but it's a real one and um, I remember like tuning it through and just listening to it at night and just the station I loved listening to was late night uh, weekend radio too because they played all this kind of, it was classical music but cover versions of kind of pop music. Okay. So I guess like easy listening, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. But what I liked about it was that you could hear like these pop, pop music, I guess in the 70s, which was probably quite, I don't know, quite rough I suppose in a way or not not really very interesting and, and yeah. what the classical arrangements did you know with drums and with bass guitar but kind of big sounding obviously really expensive sounding probably I don't know what the program was even but maybe it's a made avail BBC made avail thing mm. um, and it was beautiful just to hear the real clarity of these different instruments really well recorded um, and the strings so I think I fell in love with strings I remember my dad playing me uh Wichita Lyman by Glenn Campbell mm. once and I remember that was probably the, the moment where I just thought 
wow, that's that's everything because as a guy singing a song, it's there's something going on. I was too young to understand what he was going through. Yeah, yeah. You know, but those strings and that bass and everything, I just realised that, you know, it is possible to separate out. You know, all the stuff on the radio was trashy. You know, pop stuff that I didn't. I don't think I really liked. Really understood when yeah. I was yeah. young. I am a lineman for the county. And I drive the main road Searching in the sun for another overload That's interesting you say that, because I played on, on this podcast, the song I opened it with, or have opened it with, is um, Nina Simone's Baltimore, which I wasn't really familiar oh, with. Oh, yeah. And heard of it because it's a Randy Newman song, and she covered it, and apparently... When she recorded it, she absolutely hated it, and she thought that the reggae beat sounded really corny and naff. Right. It wasn't particularly well received at the time. It was seventy-eight, I think. And uh, and I've only just sort of read about it. And she'd always be able to admit when you weren't aware of something because you can't be across everything sure, all the course. time. Yeah. And just hearing this and hearing it in a different context today, and, and hearing this thing, and then going into it and finding out about it, and learning mm. why this record exists and that she refused to do it and there was all this wrangling apparently she recorded all the vocal takes for the whole record in one hour <laughs> like, yeah, just for this album and you listen to this piece of music and the strings of this and again going back to that that, that um talking about city i mean this is baltimore which is obviously yeah. entirely different and yeah. politically to london but this dark song about how a city is on its knees and sort of failing sure. and yeah. it just really it struck a chord with me now in a way that I yeah. did sort of see coming and the strings on it are just unbelievable yeah. yeah just yeah, so yeah. good where did your taste move to from there then? after that um I think, you know, like a lot of people, it moved into being a little bit older and discovering John Peel. And I don't even know how that happened. It was probably just another thing of just tuning in late at night. Yeah. And then then discovering contemporary stuff, I suppose, things. And suddenly it felt like, all right, this is music that's being made in real time that is really interesting. And um, and I suppose around that time as well, I, I don't know, I don't know what year any of this was, but I remember like listening to The Breakfast Show as well, Radio 1 and hearing hearing um, Donna Summer, I Feel Love in the morning, going to school and <laughs> saying to everybody, did anyone listen to like Radio 1 Breakfast Show this morning? Because there's this amazing record. It sounds like robots, but there's this kind of singer. And that record had a massive effect on me around maybe just before John Peel, actually. But that was a moment where I just thought, wow, that is pure science fiction, you know. Yeah. And that was like, what was that, 1976 or seven? Yeah, your, your love of sort of machine music, but, but, but this, this kind of electronic music, but with mm. a heart. I mean, it doesn't yeah. get much more. Yeah, that's just, you yeah. Know, the, yeah, it's yeah, it's perfect record, you know, emotional machine music. Yeah, yeah that, you know, exactly, yeah. It's definitely something I've definitely been inspired by. Maybe the thing I'll play you next is kind Absolutely, of, yeah. It's totally, up, you know, that street as well. Yeah, then it was John Peel, then it was, you know, discovering incredible music like, uh, you know, the Festive 50 with things like, you know, just discovering like all these people voting for Joy Division, who was, that was a kind of a new thing. And yeah. 
then realizing the new order thing and then you know being a bit late to all that i suppose really um, but then just absolutely loving but having it all there in front of you yeah too. i mean it was good wasn't it to, to be yeah. able to have that and yeah like a lot of people like so many people you know that program was so important i can't imagine how hard it would have been to have discovered that music if it wasn't for that program and that no. band, so no, absolutely. And did you listen religiously? Was it a mm. thing, or did you sort of dip in every now and then? Or was it was it every? It was night? a feature. It was all the time. I've yeah. you know I've still got loads of cassette tapes that I just you know I did that thing where I would. I wish I just left it running across the whole show now, but I used to you know record, put it on pause, when John Peel started talking, quickly push push you know to stop it recording, go into the next track, and if I didn't like it, I'd stop, rewind the tape. And then when something I like came on, I go, right, okay, keep that one. So you've got one. these great mixtapes, these <laughs> yeah. great compilations. With just know. a little bit of John Peel, just like, up, 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 like that, and that's it. Which you know? is so kind of sad, because they... Yeah, <laughs> no, I'd like to listen to him. so much. <laughs> I really, I didn't... Li I mean, I listened to... I used to dip in, but really, I mean, in terms of late-night radio, mm. it was John Kennedy on XFM, really. Mm. That was yeah. my first time I really went in and thought, hang on, this is... Yeah. This music's terrifying. <laughs> but it's also everything that I want in radio. Do you know what I mean? This is Dude, what I want. Yeah, this I is do. what I want to hear. I want to be scared by music. And I think John Peel was probably too far <laughs> that way right. because, you know, as a 19-year-old metal fan, yeah. I wasn't ready to listen to Ragga. But yeah. <laughs> that just wasn't going to happen <laughs> at the time. Yeah, you know? of course. Yeah. Um, and obviously yeah. later on, but then hearing, you, you kind of find your way, don't you? So hearing like shows like yours and, and hearing mm. what John would play and... Things that you would kind of hate to begin with because you just don't understand it. Sure, yeah. But then having this kind of almost naive optimism and thinking, yeah, but what is it about this that is so good? What it's like trying yeah. alcohol for the first time. I, you know, I hate yeah. this, but why is it so good? Yeah. That's really what I'm trying to do on this podcast is put myself in this back in that position of hearing something that I might not be in. Tell me it didn't have to be that way. That's interesting. Out, yeah. Being out of yeah. a comfort zone and yeah, just being, sure. you know, because I think that, we're continually given what computers or businesses or organisations, whether it's Spotify or Apple, whoever, they're mm. giving us what we supposedly want based on our likes and on algorithms and mm -hmm. what they think is the big, you know. Yeah. But actually, I don't want that. I don't want what I already know I've liked. I want something completely different. I want yeah. other stuff. Yeah. Do you have that urge as well? Do you? Because it feels, it seems to me that you've always, you're always looking for something. I am. Yeah, I'm always, always looking. I mean, I. I, to be honest with you, though, I will take help as, you know, radio programmers will still do that. John, yeah, John Kennedy is just, it's just amazing how yeah. many hours he's on the radio and, yeah. and you know, <laughs> yeah. just doing it, constantly yeah. bringing new stuff to everyone's attention, which is brilliant. But, I, you know, there is that. But I also, I do find, I have to say that, you know, some of those digital services actually are quite helpful. Yeah. I think whatever it is that powers the YouTube algorithm is pretty amazing because I do discover some... Yeah. stuff I'll play on the radio I'll, I'll, I'll put something in I think oh, I just want to check this record out again Yeah. or maybe it's something I haven't got which I know is on YouTube I'll listen to it and then the next track will be something I've never heard of or never would have known about and that does happen I find often, that and I know? get that I, I find that on SoundCloud actually SoundCloud as well SoundCloud's yeah, good for that as well yeah. and more so than I think than, than anything on Apple or, or Spotify but I do yeah, yeah. I do find that and it, you do get these kind of these swerves yeah for sure but, but yeah. I wish and I've said this before I wish there were a dial that you could turn up on Spotify if you just had the whole thing on shuffle and you could turn up kind of an obtuseness dial or a kind of radical dial so <laughs> yeah. you could go from listening to 
something you know obscure from the twenties yeah. into into some sort of washboard music. Do you know what I mean? No, like, so, yeah, so like that, take me to something. Yeah, exactly. Really, I really yeah. want to be as far yeah. out there as possible. Yes, yeah, definitely. Because really, that's the kind of thing that radio. And I want to come and talk mm. to you about. Come onto this and talk about Lake mm. Junction and how that works and its ethos and and, yeah. and everything. Because you know, as, in terms of radio and challenging esoteric avant-garde music on the radio it really you know it, get, it doesn't get much more challenging than that but we'll, we'll come on to that because okay. i want to know what, what you're going to play about the the, the uh hold the next tune yeah you said you're going to play oh, some yeah, emotional yeah. machine music i am going to play you some emotional music and if you do that music. and then i want to play you some if that's all right oh yeah this is going to be good yeah so this is um this is music from chicago from uh yeah. glenn underground which is just one of those records that i've always been slightly obsessed with um, atmosphere from when was it late 90s okay peace frog records um, and this track in particular which is um, Israeli Nightfalls is just I mean it's, it's a Chicago record but it is so Detroit as well it's kind of deep house it's jazz it's 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 everything you know it's like a, an incredible incredible piece of music and okay. you know and where did you first hear this when did you first sort of come across this I don't know I was just really into like peace frog records and um I was just buying a lot of stuff they put out. And, um, you know, I don't, even, don't know where I heard it. I probably heard it in a record shop. I probably went into the shop and listened to it. And, you know, I don't... There were some DJs around that time that were playing playing this. I'm trying to think. Maybe it's someone like Colin Dale or somebody like that may have played it. Mm. Um, but, you know, it's just spending time in shops sometimes, isn't it? And just, just picking things up and thinking, yeah. wow, you know, this has already been out and I didn't know about this. And it's like, you know, you just buy it and you put it on and it's... Yeah. So this would have been something I played on Fly Motion. This would have definitely been an XFM yeah, okay. you know, kind of tune, you know. So that bongo, that's got that that kind of that hu that brings it that human quality, yeah, doesn't yeah, it? Definitely, yeah, definitely, definitely. And it's just it is quite emotional, I think, with the kind of chords in the background. It kind of sounds like it's obviously quite precise, but it's also got that kind of slight kind of um, movement in it as well, you know? Yeah. So it's, it's quite analogue basically, isn't it? Yeah. talk about London because how do you find living right in the middle of it because this year I've, I've kind of fallen out of love with it and I've found I don't know if it's a money thing or that so much of the cities it feels like it's in a mess and it feels like it's being regenerated it feels mm -hmm. like it's luxury flats mm. on every corner and just the usual places where I'll be working like the West End and Soho is just feels like it's been leveled in many ways and because of Crossrail it just feels it feels hard some days to get around, particularly in the winter as well. Mm. This year has been really I've really I've had to read books about London to try and get myself inspired about it again because I think I've spent so much of my life romanticising it. Yeah. That now I've I've almost well, one of these books I've put this I've said this before but it, it feels like London it puts it really 
succinctly and it says that London doesn't give a fuck about you. It carries on yeah, yeah. and it's its own being and it just moves on and it changes and it doesn't, if you're there, great, but if you can't handle it, if you're not in there, then it kind of leaves you by the side. Do you get a set, being right here in the middle of London all the time, do you get like, a, do you have to get out much? Yeah, I find that when I do, I definitely kind of recalibrate. I mean, it's, yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty much in the middle here and the amount of building work that's been happening for the last five years, I mean, right opposite, you yeah. know, you can see out that window. Yeah. There's a building that's had 10 floors built on top of it. <laughs> and, you know, and the whole atmosphere has changed from being kind of office, like a, an office that was shut for maybe five years to now yeah. being fully residential. Um, What's the community? Is there, is there a solid community? There is a kind of community here, but it, it's definitely changing and it, it's, it's going to continue to change because of the amount of massive buildings that are going up. So there's a 48-storey apartment block going up on the other side, which, you know, it's, it's now time for it to... So you can hear the noise during the day. It's pretty, pretty yeah. noisy. Yeah. So, yeah, and the funny thing is... Well, not the funny thing. The, the tragedy is, you know, there's all these people moving in. There's still one small doctor's surgery around the corner. I do wonder where everyone's going to go, you know? Yeah. But it's like... Um, but if you want more supermarkets and you want houses with swimming pools and things then it's um yeah it's all good isn't it <laughs> do you i mean psychologically does it have any effect on you living here or do you feel like you're kind of at one with this have you always no, lived i've lived here for a long time so i've lived yeah. here for almost uh 20 years in this area so quite a long time so i've seen it change a lot but yeah. at the same time and it's changed massively um, along here as well. Yeah. yeah, I moved here before the Tate Modern opened, before right. the London Eye. You know, at the weekends you could just cycle everywhere and there'd be nobody. And people would even wonder why I lived here. It's <laughs> like, what a strange yeah. place to live. Yeah. But, um, so yeah, no, it has changed a lot. There's lots of good things about that. There are lots of, um, you know, you know, it's just the way cities develop. I'm kind of excited by the future of everything, if I'm honest. You know, okay. there's obviously a lot of reasons to be pretty gloomy about stuff right now, but I always think we're going to, go through phases where things are rubbish and then they kind of come out good at the end. I thought that in 2012 when the city was getting ready for the Olympics. Right, yeah. And I thought, this is great. There's so much great development. And when the Olympics happens and with, you know, with Stratford and everything happened there, I thought, you know, there are obviously question marks over this gentrification and the regeneration mm -hmm. of community, but for some and not others and those people that got turfed out of homes or whatever. Yeah, and yeah. I thought, this is great. You know, 2012, we're going to get London sorted and then, and it's just got worse. <laughs> yeah. In the last four years, it's got even worse. And so and I, I, you are, you strike me as a really positive you know, a very optimistic person, and, and I feel sort of somewhat... More so why do you think it's got worse? I'm interested. In, in terms of what? In terms of community? Yeah, in terms of, in terms of the division. Yeah. In terms well, of the kind of I starkness totally, of wealth I around agree, you no, all I the totally time. agree with you about that. I yeah. mean, that's... Yeah, that is a kind of... Quite shocking, actually, how quickly that's changed in the city. Yeah. I totally agree with you on that. I think I'm thinking more about... I mean, I, I don't know. It's funny, because I really feel that you know there's a lot to be excited about but it just feels you know I'm quite impressed with things like skyscrapers and architecture when it's like this even though a lot of it's not beautiful I am yeah I find it quite powerful and quite invigorating you know I well, agree but there's a there was a great article actually sorry to interrupt there's a great article on the quietus um a few weeks ago it was about the fat white family and about Brixton and about you know it was this review ostensibly a review of their gig but at the same mm. time it was talking about Brixton and how actually anyone who's creative can't afford to live in Brixton anymore. Yeah, yeah. And it talked about the idea of these spaces 
that exist now, these perfect architectural spaces that are, you know, technically mm. dream, you know, these, these beautiful places, they look like they do on the artist's projections. Do you know mm. what I mean? With the sort of fake people walking around. Yeah, yeah. But actually, they're the coldest, sort of deadest spaces because yeah. there's no real life there. So people can't actually function in a normal, from what you were saying, you know, about living here and having a community. Yeah. You can't have that, but it looks great, but they're yeah, actually, sure. there's no life there. And I, I sometimes wonder, if King's Cross, you know all the new stuff around King's yeah. Cross and that yeah, area yeah. feels very much like that to me. Yeah, I mean, I, funnily enough, I, I, I'm spending more time there than ever. I mean, I, you know, I DJ the other night up at the new Spiritland. Yeah, which I was going to talk to you about actually. Yeah. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, mean, I mean, I think that is a successful yeah. blueprint for other areas. I'm hoping that people will, will recognise that as being a good, you know, it's not all high rise yeah. madness. It's kind of using a lot of buildings that were already there. It's quite faithful to a lot of the architecture that was, that's been mm. there for a long time. Mm. And it's, there's a lot of space, isn't there? You yeah. know, and it feels lovely and luxurious and there are trees and it does. big public spaces. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, that's a really good example. But then, you know, right here in certain areas, you just feel the concentration of buildings creating these wind tunnels and, you know, you're right, the little people you see in those architectural models like, are zombies, aren't they? When it yeah. comes to reality because yeah, of the way you have to navigate. on their faces. Yeah, yeah right. absolutely. True. But, I, you know, I, I, I'm inspired already by your love of the city and your love, because I can sense that you've got that. I am, I am definitely a city person. Mm. But, I mean, I grew up in the suburbs, so I probably have this even greater idea of how glamorous and brilliant the city is because I could always just come in and yeah. exist here. Yeah. But I do find more and more, the more I get out of the city, the more I love it when I come back. And I think I spent yeah. too long a period <laughs> in it, just yeah. not being able to get out. And I think, like I say, again, it, for me, and it sounds sort of narrow-minded, but it just comes back to money all the time for me because it's just so expensive to do anything. Yeah, that's just it. You really have to, again, it's about navigating this place, isn't it? Because you can't do all that stuff that you kind of, in the back of your mind, you think, you're thinking... I'm sure everybody else I know are going out to these ridiculously expensive restaurants. <laughs> and like, I'm not doing that, am I? Yeah. And I'm not able to do all those kind of no. flashy things. But um, well, social media does that to us, though, doesn't it? Yeah, probably does. <laughs> you know, I'm sort of brainwashed, I suppose, to think yeah. that everyone's doing that. Really, everyone's most people I know are struggling anyway. Yeah. Have you ever heard of the French duo Nummer? Nummer. Yeah. N U M M E R. Maybe not. So this no. is this is called Second Sight. Okay. Right. It's on the Going Good label, do you know Going Good? I don't It's know. like a Belfast, London label. Okay. And it's got this, it's only out on uh, 12 inch, and there's about, I think it's, I think there's like 30 copies, and you can't get it really? at Monica. Yeah, I mean, this is just today. I've got, I've managed wow. to get a digital copy online, but you can't really get it anywhere. Okay. And it's got this sort of, it's this techno, but it's got this, like it's the kind of thing I would imagine hearing you play on Flow Motion or right. somewhere like. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. Sure. It reminds me of that, but it's got this human quality to it, which is. Yeah, I mean it's long. Sounds good, yeah. But you can't get it anywhere. Wow. Um, and I, and I think that this is the kind of thing that I would only be a fan of now, having listened to the music that you played oh, on the radio really? over the years. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. Here we go. So it's got like a real. It's it's got a funk to it which yeah it's nice I yeah almost don't expect to hear really
however yeah. loud I've got it, it's never loud enough. Yeah, right. I just yeah, want to yeah. keep turning it up, and that's definitely how I, how I yeah. sort of feel about this. So, but anyway, so that's, that's that's a cool track. Yeah, I need to take a note of that. Okay, good. You don't have to say you like. <laughs> no, no, I genuinely do like that. It's good. Yeah, no, it's let's really leave that there for a sec. So, yeah, going back to the radio thing. Mm-hmm. What was your first sort of taste of being on air on the radio? The what, very first yeah, thing. Yeah, the very first thing that you did on, on the radio when you were... Because, you know, this um, is... Yeah. One of the things, again, that I noticed first listening to you on, on X all those years ago mm. was, you know, your approach to it. You don't have, I suppose, what people say, a radio voice. You don't necessarily deliver this projected tone. You don't have no. that. Especially on a commercial station as well. Yeah. You don't get that, you know. And, and so, you know, that was, that was a thing. That, and Kennedy's the same, actually. You know, see, yeah. so he's he. Although he's got more of a, I don't know. But you're your, uh, what I love about the music you played and the way you delivered it was, and you still do it now on the radio as well. Is the subtlety of it, like it's it's leaving. There's there's a certain subtle approach to it. You're not sort of ramming music down people's throats. You're saying no. I guess this not. is an amazing piece of music, and I really love it. And that's <laughs> yeah. kind of it. Yeah. And I love that. So, how did you end up actually being on the radio? Um, I think it was. What was it? I'm trying to think. I think I was doing a program for um, Swiss Air. That's right. That's how it started. And I was doing a kind of radio program for them. And um, just an on-air uh, sort of in-flight radio show. But did that come off the back of doing, of, of DJing out and being... Yeah. You know? Yeah, it was. I think I, I think I was always... I always wanted to do it just because I didn't think anyone was playing that kind of music. And I thought, it feels like maybe... I, I, I want to play this music to more people. I think mm. that's all it was, really. Mm. And thinking, well, no one else seems to be playing all this stuff, so I, maybe I should give it a go myself. And I remember I was actually, I mean, it's funny, because I was actually trying to get other people to kind of present the programme, but we couldn't get the, the DJs that I wanted to do it. Um, I think they were just too busy, and they just probably just thought it was a pretty uncool gig, <laughs> so I didn't do it. Um, but thankfully, because of the person that actually said they couldn't do it, or I think it was their manager, I think I actually called the DJ and said, can you do this programme? I'd love you to do it. It was like, well, what's in it for me? I was like, well, it's going to be, you know, going to get loads of listeners, you know, Swiss Air. It's going to be on board for a month. He's going, no, I'm too busy. <laughs> I was like, okay. And then we were in a bit of a jam. So I said to the producer, I said, look, I'll do it. Is that right? You know, I'll just put it together. He's going, do you think you can do it? You've got like two days. He's going, yeah, I can do it this afternoon. So I kind of went back home, brought my records back to the studio, mixed it, and then just did a live thing. And, and Swiss Air liked it. And then... Then it's funny, I'll tell you what happened. I remember now, I was producing Claire Sturgis, who came into the studio uh, in flight to do her radio programme. And I said, Claire, I said, you know, I'm, do- I just, you know I'm, on, I'm doing a Swiss Air programme, which is all kind of like electronic music and a bit ambient and experimental. I said, do you think, you know, do you think anyone else would be interested in it? And she's going, well, why don't you send a cassette to um, cassette? <laughs> <laughs> right. So that's how old school this story is, um, to XFM, and maybe they'd like it. I was like, all right. And I just hadn't sent anything to anybody. Sent them a cassette. And uh, they got back within two days. <laughs> just got back. And who was that? that came? Do you remember who it was? It was who um, Andrew Phillips. Okay. Who was running the place yeah. at the time. And just said, look, you know, really like what you're doing. This is interesting. Come and have a chat. And I met him. I think it all happened in the same week, pretty much. And he said, yeah, we're not really covering this kind of music. And it's interesting. So we haven't got any slots. But if we do... 
so then it's like, well, you, if you don't mind, come in overnight and just train and learn how to use the desk. And you know, that's great, though, isn't it? It was yeah, cool. Yeah. It, yeah. I mean, the only downside was I had to play Green Day every night. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, so you did overnight? You, you kind of got used to being do, doing overnight stuff. And yeah, once I remember opening the mic, I can't remember who was with me, but there was someone training me to do it, and it was that dreaded moment where I finally had to open the mic, and I think, who was it? Someone was saying right now, you know, Nick Luskin's here for the next hour. And I was like, you know, nervously opening the microphone and then, hello, everybody, um, this is Green Day. Quickly close the mic again. <laughs> like, kind of go and hide in the corner of the room yeah. a bit. But um, no, I did that for a few months. Maybe it was six months. Yeah. And I, I was thinking, I don't know, maybe this will never happen. But then then this is, how, this is the story of radio, isn't it? I think there was a guy doing the Sunday night show who, who probably swore on air and <laughs> couldn't do the programme anymore. Something like that, I think, <laughs> happened. <laughs> Yeah, and they were like, "And we've kind of, we need somebody for Sunday. Can you step in?" And that's yeah. Well, yeah, that's how I got there as well in a similar way, which I won't go into. But yes, really, (laughs) I'd like to know about that. It is, yeah, no, it's it is that thing. And so, so you went doing that. So, so just to rewind slightly, Mm. did you get start to get jobs in radio and music purely out of your interest? I mean, how did that sort of come about? How did you really get started in that? Um. Yeah, I was working in, so I was working in radio as a BBC sound engineer right, okay. for a while. So yeah. I was doing that. I was, you know, the other side of the glass, if you like. Um, and I was doing the, you know, desk balancing for all kinds of radio programmes, but always wanted to work on the music programmes. And then I moved into producing. So I was producing programmes for the old Radio 5 before it was a news network and a sport network. Yeah. And they had a thing called youth programming. And I worked with um, a DJ called Normski. Yeah, his I remember programs. Normski. Remember Normski. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's still doing stuff, right? And um, yeah. him, and it was, um, oh, who was it? There's a kind of bizarre duo of uh, presenters, uh, Paul O'Grady. Okay. <laughs> so, Paul O'Grady and Normski, what an unlikely <laughs> <laughs> program that was. But somehow that was every week, and it was a good show, and it was, you know, we could choose the music, and um, we had sessions, we had Made of Bale stuff going on. Yeah. You know, like the good old, it feels like the good old days, you know? Yeah. It's funny, but... Um, Anyway, then Radio 5 closed down and then it became a news and sport network. And then, um, yeah, then I was just working as a freelance producer and, um, and just, you know, DJing and mm. making music. And then, yeah. uh, I don't know, yeah, then fast forward, you know, then I got a gig on XFM, which was amazing, you know. And, yeah. You know, very fortunate that that happened, really. Well, I mean, we're going to, I'm going to gloss over slightly mm. what happened with XFM and, and sort of, you know, when it changed and, and it gradually yeah. through so many different changes of management, things get stripped away mm. and changed and moved about. Yeah. And, you know, without without sort of dwelling on that too much, I mean, listening to the station now, it feels sort of almost like running into an ex-girlfriend and you, you sort of <laughs> almost start to wonder. Mm. Other than people like John yeah, yeah, doing what sure. they do, yeah, it's exactly. such a different thing now as, as sort of Radio X, but like yeah. I say, I'm not going to dwell on it. But that, that's, a, that's an interesting thing. So... One of the things I admire most about you, and one of the things I'm, I'm so inspired by, is that is that um, idea of just carrying on. Mm. It's almost it's almost like a belligerence because I remember reading some advice years and years ago about not getting sidetracked and deciding not not necessarily even putting yourself in a pigeonhole, but ju- or in a in a box, but just sort of saying, "This is what I believe in. This is why I do this. This is because mm. I love this music, yeah. and this is what I want to play and what I want to share." Yeah and what I want to celebrate and support. Mm. So this is what I'm going to do. And as soon as you get, and, and basically the advice was don't get sidetracked. 
don't right yeah. don't let yourself yeah. get sidetracked and do I think because then you'll just end up inevitably going you could get sidetracked by money or you could get sidetracked by yeah practicality or just the availability of certain jobs that you wouldn't necessarily have sure, had. Yeah, so I've yeah. tried not to do that, even mm. when things have come up that I've turned down, and you start, and then obviously years later you question, you think, well, maybe that could have, the, yeah, you know, yeah, and yeah, all this kind of thing. So did you set out in a similar way? Because it feels like you did. It feels like you thought, no, I'm going to stay true to the music that I believe in, and that I, with, without wanting to yeah. compromise what I'm into. Yeah, definitely. I'm, I kind of remember quite clearly a couple, a couple of things. One was. I, I remember this production company said to me, oh, we'd really like you to make um, a program for us. Um, I said, oh, brilliant. You know, we, you know, we'd like you to present it and um, it'd be a documentary about uh, rock music. How would you feel about that? And I was like, I don't really think I want to do that because I'm, I, I don't really know about it. And also I feel like I'm, if it was about you know, electronic music or something else, yeah, I'd love to do it. But I remember thinking afterwards, thinking, oh, what an idiot, because that may have led to doing other documentaries mm. and then you become one of those talking heads on the TV where you're talking about stuff which is which is cool. You probably earn a bit more money doing stuff like that. Is that a good thing? Is it a good thing to be doing that? It wouldn't have been good for me. I mean, I know, I do do know that it's harder and it's not easy now, but it's like, it feels better to be focused on the things you really want to do. And I don't know if that's, I'm lucky to be able to even survive doing that Mm. or whether it is just being determined. I've seen other people over the years just through just like you said just by just completely just believing you just have to follow this one path and they do do it and it takes a while yeah and you see other people who don't but they seem to be so much more successful (laughs) but for shorter periods of time yeah this is it and it's I still feel like I'm building something well that's interesting because I that was one of the things I was going to say to you because I always I remember speaking to John Kennedy actually Mm. and I remember first going in on his show and him saying you know, just just obviously sitting opposite this person with this enormous uh, breadth of knowledge and yeah. passion, and 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 being able to contextualise music in a way that you can't do when you're 24. It's like you can't, yeah, you don't course. have that yeah. knowledge. I mean, yeah. some people obviously can, and some people will try and do that. But I personally feel that I can't do that. And I really clearly remember deciding at that time, I need at least 10 years of just playing records on the radio before I could even hope yeah. to do a show Understood. like yeah. this. Yeah. And and knowing really that it was about the long game. Yeah. And knowing that yeah. there wasn't actually any rush. So, yes. so it seems to me that you do you've done a similar sort of thing. I'm a late developer. <laughs> well, I am as well. But yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think everything just feels like that for me, but you know, there I think yeah, I suppose you're I think you're right. I think you know, these days it is much easier to go into anywhere, you know, and you can check a record or, or, or an album digitally. It's, it's kind of all there. Whereas, you know, when I was growing up, you had to either know somebody who had that record or you have mm. to try and find it somehow and you travel around a lot of different places to mm. find this music. So now the information is there for people at a much earlier part of their career, if you want to call it that. Whereas I've had to kind of go through the old fashioned way and just gradually find these things and build it up. So it would, it would have taken longer, whatever. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But, um, yeah. but, but I do feel like, you know, I don't, I'm not an expert in, you know, I play Glen Underground. I'm not an expert in Chicago house music or Detroit, all the things I like or Nuggets or, you know, I'm not an expert, but I think I've got an understanding of where that really genuinely comes from. And yeah. that can only be, I think, if, if you're honest, really achieved from gradually yeah. building that. Well, that's what I felt. It's like a sort of almost like a cross, I imagine this cross hatch plan of, or like a chart 
of, of the decades and the music and the years and you sort of put across your musical sort of yeah, genres yeah, and yeah. styles yeah. and you look at it when you start out when, when you're sort of you know a teenager or in your early early 20s and there are so many holes yeah. and obviously it's endless because you can constantly yeah. like, dip into yeah, certain yeah. areas of and Absolutely. discover new things and there will always be someone who knows more than you yeah for sure and there will always be someone who knows less than you yeah and it doesn't and really learning that that doesn't matter no it doesn't matter <laughs> you, you know it. there are things you don't know and that's okay like yeah. that's quite that took me a long time to get used to the idea of yeah. admitting that yeah. you're not familiar with something but that's yeah. okay like that you can only follow what you like at that time and what you're into it's and, true there's a lot of hype isn't there around you know the idea that other people know a lot more than you because yeah Who's to know that they actually do know? What they yeah, say they know. Absolutely, and you do realise as you get older that there are a lot of people who don't know. Yeah, you really <laughs> you know, do. And a lot of people are just blagging it. And, yeah, and that's absolutely. okay, really. You know, they yeah. Are, but but yeah, as long as you're. That's why I think it comes back to following what you actually genuinely, passionately believe in. Yeah. Because you can't. That that's the one thing that you can't question. Oh if yeah, you're passionately that's into it, then that's, that's it. That, that's your thing. Whereas if you are doing a rock documentary. Yeah. but you're not really into it, then you'll feel even more of a kind of that you're just doing yeah, it for the wrong exactly, reasons. You know? Exactly. So do you want to pick one more one more record yeah. before I go? Is that all right? Yeah, of course. Actually, maybe, how many more have you got? Have you got? Um, well, I've got... That you really, I mean, we could do two. I could definitely do two, yeah. All right, well, all let's right. do one now, then we'll, then we'll, we'll chat. Talk more. about this? Okay, cool. Yeah. Okay, so this, um, do you know Group A? Have you heard of Group A? No. I, I've become slightly obsessed with this band because... Um, they played at this venue just by Southwark Tube Station. It's like a temporary pop-up venue. Okay. And uh, it was XFM. They did these series of nights. Um, this time last year, I think it was, if I remember rightly. And the guy running it said, because I still do this show for Residence FM, still do Flow Motion. Flow Motion, week. yeah, of course. Yeah, still on. Yeah. And um, so I do it every Saturday. And uh, he said, I'll oh, come down. I think you might like what we've got on. And... Um, I just went down and this band called Group A turned up. On the stage, there was, it's completely dark inside. You couldn't see anything. You could just make a, a stepladder and then all these kind of like analog looking bits and pieces and foot pedals, a violin. And then these two girls walk on dressed as kind of really gothic kind of witches, mm. basically looking very weird. And, uh, <laughs> and then the noise was just brilliant. And it was just a noise of just kind of super kind of um, analog drum machines with a kind of violin going through effects pedals wow. and it was just full on and, and the, it was the best thing I'd seen last year that the best wow. gig I've been to okay for that question and so um and so this is from a so this is from um actually I'll play you something from the the album that came out okay uh or the last album which I think is um it's really good I mean I've, as a result of kind of seeing them I managed to get all the records in one go which is quite handy I just like yeah. thought this band are pretty amazing Me of something like yeah, the normal, you know, yeah, that, that yeah, kind yeah. of thing. Throbbing gristle, maybe. Yeah. yeah, yeah, totally. They're really young though. They're like, you know, they know that stuff. They're really into like cold wave and yeah, yeah, you know, 80s, whatever. But it's. It feels like music for our time, like this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. Yeah, you know, really. It feels like the kind of. 
aggressive, yeah. cold yeah. music that we need. I agree. <laughs> at the yeah, moment. Yeah. Well, that's the big hope right now, isn't it? That you know, there better be some good music coming out of this time because yeah. you know, at least we'll have that. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> but I just don't know if we'll hear it in the same way. That's the problem. No, it'll all be filtered. It could all be filtered yeah. for us, couldn't it? Which yeah. is a bit of a danger. Yeah. You and I won't be doing that though. We'll <laughs> no. be, be playing stuff like this. Yeah. <laughs> as long as we've got the opportunity. The other thing as well that is is brilliant is that you've got so many things always on the go. So you're you're it seems to me constantly <clears throat> travelling and going to different yeah, places and, and sort of being you, you you obviously go to Japan a lot mm. and you're there and you have everything that you're doing with Lake Junction and the BBC and your the show that you're sort of doing there in that kind of revolving yeah, yeah. sort of roster way and you have, I mean how many other things? You've got Flow Motion, which has now been on air since 2000 in some yeah. form of FM It's been broadcast. on air every week, I think, for, since 2000. Which is amazing. I mean, <laughs> yeah. That's such an achievement. So it was on Resonance and... and yeah, yeah. Was, where else has it, it been? It's been on, on Enemy Radio. It was on Enemy Radio, It yeah. was on, uh, yeah. Um, it was on, it was broadcast in Japan for two years. Yeah. Um, and it was on uh, a station in Ibiza for a little while. So it's, you know, it's still on British Airways as a, as a weekly, a which monthly is, thing on British Airways. Which is yeah. amazing. Yeah, really I mean, it's, that's just one of these things where, you know, you just do it, don't you? You just keep doing it. And, yeah. You know, it's a routine. Uh, yeah, I, I love doing it. And it's funny, I met someone the other day. It's the first time this has happened, I have to say. But someone who's actually on Ninja Tune, and she said, oh, you know, I used to listen to your radio show. And it really wanted me to make electronic music. Really? I thought, well, that's really brilliant, isn't it? Because I just that? didn't realise. Can you tell me? Um, yeah, th she's called Throwing, uh, Throwing Shade. Oh, right, okay, yeah. So, yeah. Hashtag and I really like her music. I think that hashtag URL track. To have that come back, that, that, yeah. that kind of full circle thing. And it's like, it's not the reason to do it, to be honest. I was just surprised. <laughs> That's why I mentioned it, just because it was like, really? Wow, somebody's listened to this. And they've yeah. gone and make some good records as a result, which is like, yeah. it's good enough. Yeah, absolutely. So I'll keep doing it for that reason. Someone yeah. else might you know, yeah. tune in and make another good record. Yeah. I was going to ask you as well, sort of, I guess rounding up a bit really when you're on doing Lake Junction mm. um, and with any show that you've done but particularly I think with, with the BBC and being on, on Radio 3 do you ever feel apologetic about the music you're playing do you because the, because the music that you have that mm. you play can be I mean last week I was listening and you played something which was a kind of uh a tonal, folky sort of piece of yeah. Japanese music, which every sort of minute and a half would completely fall away into the sound of water. Yeah, right. Yeah, and then and then that would happen, and that this would happen repeatedly, which I thought was really interesting, and it was yeah. great. But it did make me think that my phone was about to ring because I was listening <laughs> to it via from the iPlayer on my phone. So you know how your phone fades out when you listen yeah, to music that's to call, right. yeah, of and course. that kept, and it, every t it oh, got me. It must have happened about six times in this piece of music, and every time <laughs> it faded out, and then there was the sound of water. Brilliant, yeah, and it was that. so. So if you're playing music like that, people can be quite listeners can be quite belligerent sometimes. And yeah. if they don't understand something, yeah, like usually ignorance breeds fear and and this kind of outward, yeah, aggression. And I've had that on the radio when I've played music that I think is interesting or, you know, uh, 
whatever. It, you could be sure. as avant-garde as you like. Yeah, yeah. But people don't like it all the time. Yeah, I know? understand. Not least program controllers. But so, so how? <laughs> what is it? Do you ever have that sense of sort of wanting to sort of try and justify what you're playing? Sometimes. I mean, I did. I, I remember I played something this year, and I can't remember what it was. And I, I actually remember saying, um, I know a lot of people listening to this will think that is just the noise of something that's gone really badly wrong. <laughs> and, um, and you won't be enjoying that but a lot of you will just absolutely think that's the best thing you've heard all year yeah and I personally think you know the latter I kind of love this but I also get it if you don't but you know that's, yeah. and I you know I think I said that's what we do on Lake Junction we we don't apologize for the fact that we will play the sound of a recording of a Victorian crank or something you know or a squeaky door we will play yeah. that as yeah a, alongside a, a a track by Curtis Mayfield sometimes yeah. you know we yeah I think as long as we've got that um, chance to explore sound in that way, we should, we should do it. And I think, yeah, I think Lake Junction is fairly unique. There's not really anywhere else that can get away with that. And we're not, I don't think, certainly when I choose music for the programme, I'm not doing it to be obscure or, or to annoy people mm. or to create a kind of reaction in that way. I think it's just all valid. I think it's all just interesting. And also I just like the juxtaposition of, of kind of, putting quite experimental music up with maybe a kind of relatively well-known harpsichord piece, then a techno track. Or a Bruce Springsteen song. <laughs> That's <laughs> yeah. true, isn't it? That's a yeah. good point. Yeah. Did a cover of a Bruce Springsteen track last week. Yeah. You know, so I hope it kind of, my only fear sometimes is that maybe it's a bit like, they think, oh, they're just, these guys are just, just picking random tracks. But I, I spend so much time choosing stuff and, um, and the producers that we work with as well. You know, this is, you know, it is, it's a living thing like any radio show should be you know there's no there's obviously no playlist obviously yeah yeah <laughs> but um but it is i think it is quite responsive to the times in the way that i think you said about that group a track mm. you know it's very much music of the moment it feels right for now maybe 10 years ago maybe that wouldn't have felt as important as that record does now mm. i think we're, we're responding to the world that's around us and you know that's what i think a good radio program should do yeah it should be um connected to the to the real time to the you know the world we live in yeah absolutely um you've got to run off to a gig who is it who yeah. are you going to see i'm going to see some estonian jazz up at the uh at the vortex brilliant <laughs> well you go and watch that okay um but you're going to leave us with one thing yeah what do, i mean what, what do you want to play really quickly right, right, it's a choice. last thing it's a choice so i don't know can i leave the choice to you no you're gonna you're i gotta choose have, yeah you've got to choose all right then definitely. so it's either going to be something from Yellow Magic Orchestra or something from Alice Coltrane. Okay. So, um, kind of feel maybe a nice ending track. Yeah. Would be the Alice Coltrane track because okay. it is, it's just the strings. The, the it's just a beautiful piece of music. Yeah. That is, um, it's I don't know where it came from. Do you know what I mean? To to be able to kind of make a piece of music like this, I just yeah. find it incredible. Yeah. And just the recording, the way it breaks into this kind of incredible jazz selection and just a little piece and um yeah it's just the overall sound of it it's that thing we were talking about earlier where it's sometimes you can't really describe it you know it's just the feeling it gives you every time you hear it yes yeah. one of those okay nick thanks so much thank you for this it's been brilliant cheers really thank good you very much.
So the quite magnificent journey in Satchidananda from Alice Coltrane from World Galaxy, the record from 1972, uh, sort of chosen by Nick Luscom, my guest this week. Um, bit of a confession. Uh, when we recorded the interview, Nick had to run off, as you heard, to his, uh, to his gig that he was going to at the Vortex. So we didn't actually have time to play that Alice Coltrane record while we were there in his flat. But listening back to the recording now... I realised that we never actually talked about the particular piece of music that he wanted to play. And obviously now I can't remember. So Nick, I hope that uh, Journey in Satchidananda is okay with you. Uh, Anyway, thanks very much to Nick Luscombe for uh, all of his time and his records and what a truly lovely man he is. Uh, Inspiring to uh, listen to his his story as well on this podcast. Hopefully you enjoyed it as much as I did. Uh, Remember, Mixcloud is the place where you'll find all of the music all of Alice Coltrane, Journey and Sajidananda uh, in full uh, streaming up there on Mixcloud you can also download it of course from iTunes, Acast wherever you get your podcasts and send me messages or whatever you like at John Hillcock is the place to go on Twitter, I am retweeting a few nice things that people are saying at the moment because you know if I don't who will uh, you've got to do this kind of stuff so at John Hillcock on Twitter, Instagram, Bandcamp whatever, if you want to send us an email awfhpod awfhpod at gmail.com is the way to do that. Uh, if you would like to share or subscribe or review the podcast somewhere on iTunes or wherever, if you like it, that would be nice. And remember that this podcast, Away From Home, is presented in association with Calm, the campaign against living miserably. Um, men, for whatever reason, often feel like they've got nobody they can talk to about whatever problems they might have. Uh, I want you to know that if you do have problems of any kind, Uh, that you can talk to Calm. Uh, They'll be there without judgment or even any opinion about what you have to say, Uh, but they will listen and it will help, no matter how much it it feels now like it won't help. It will. So do that if you need to. TheCalmZone.net has all the information you need uh, and it will be worth it. Um, Now, given how much of this podcast this week was about London and how the city has uh, sort of bruised me the last few years and made me feel a bit crap sometimes. Uh, I heard this song that I'm about to play you now to close um, on an NTS radio show by a London-based Texan, Craig Klaus. He makes noise, art kind of music as uh, shit and shine. And uh, the NTS radio show he was doing was great, but um, on the, the one I heard, he played this lovely bit of kitsch, 70s jazz, which is by an American songwriter, a singer called Blossom Deary. Uh, this is the closing song from her 1970 record, uh, That's Just The Way I Want To Be. Uh, you can hear this breakbeat, this, this introduction. As you can imagine, it's been sampled by a few different producers, hip-hop producers and various others. Uh, But it's a really good song in its own right, and it's something that I want to play for everyone who moans about the weather, particularly in London, whatever it seems to be doing. It's Blossom Deary, and I like London in the rain. Uh, By the way, I'll tell you right now that I'm standing in bright, broad, uh, blazing sunlight on this Thursday afternoon, and I have just voted as well. Um... I've decided I'm not going to tell you who I voted for. Uh, But I will say that I definitely didn't vote for any selfish, arrogant, lying, egomaniacal, self-serving bastards. Uh, Make of that what you will. See you next time. This is Blossom Deary. I like London in the rain. I like London.
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.